You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. Good room. I want to thank you for being such a wonderful model to this church. You have this love that just sort of this love and this warmth that beams out, and you have been such a profound blessing to this whole community. I don't think I'm speaking alone here. I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that we are so thankful that you're here with us and you've done so much over the years. Thank you. Blair. (laughs) Blair, mate, when I first met you a few years back, I tell you what, that was one of the most awesomely humbling things in my life, that you just had this honesty and this fearless straightforwardness in serving God that I was so gifted at making excuses as to why I should partake in inaction. And you just went out there and you just had stories of so much work, good work that you had done. And since you have come here to this church, you have done so much good. Thank you. And I know you've been a blessing, especially to so much of the young guys here and young girls. Thank you, Blair. Hands up, who here thinks encouragement is important? That's a trick question. Everybody raise your hands. It was, it's the funniest thing, since reading the works of Nabil Qureshi, a former Muslim who found Jesus Christ and ultimately became a Christian after a long struggle, he was comparing the differences between the Quran and the Bible, and one thing that never really occurred to me is just how much the Bible is filled to the brim with encouragement for God's people. Not just encouragement, comfort, and possibly to build us up. Like, The letters that make up most of the New Testament are letters to the emerging churches and Christians all over the world who are struggling, encouraging them to stay the course, to keep looking to God, not forget how powerful and sovereign their Lord is, to rebuke them for that which has gone astray, but most of all, to encourage them to keep going because they are strong with God. The Gospels are Jesus Christ. It's God coming down in the form of a man and picking the not good enoughs and doing amazing work through his disciples. And heck, the, <laughs> the way he talks to prostitutes and tax collectors is just so awe-inspiring in how he handles that. It's so encouraging that if that's the way God speaks to the least of us. It's such a joy. And the Old Testament is filled with the most awesome characters, the most awesome role models and heroes for us to model our lives after. Like, here, so... David and Goliath, we all know David and Goliath, right? Like, here is the classic big guy, little guy. The context here, though, is that the Philistine army is at Israel's doorstep, and they're ridiculing God and ridiculing God's people. And Goliath, this giant monster of a soldier, is just looming over them, ridiculing God, ridiculing them. Who is going to fight me? And the Israelites are terrified. They're quaking in their boots and cowering. And here comes this little shepherd boy. He doesn't put on armor. He just walks out there with a sling, confident. And he says, when, when Goliath is ridiculing him, like, what am I, a dog? What is this? Who are you? And David says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this is not, it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, 
for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. What? Like that is, okay, so there's, there's the expected action, which is, okay, you know what? Yeah, I'll fight you, sir. God is great. I'm doing it. That's something. He goes with confidence. He is absolutely certain of the authority and sovereignty of his God. No fear. What a display of courage. Like, man, I don't know how many of you guys have experienced something so monumental with so much at stake, but what a model. And then let's take a look at his son, Solomon, King Solomon. He has, is taken over this kingdom and God comes to him in a dream and says, ask for whatever you want me to give you and I will give it to you. So what do you think that this great king, leader of God's people on the earth, what does he say? Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. But I am only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too many to count. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Here he was before God. He could have asked for anything, and he asked for the wisdom to govern his people rightly, to know right from wrong. And to say the least, that delighted God. God's like, all right, buddy, not only am I going to give you that, I'm going to give you all kinds of stuff. People far and wide will know about your wisdom. And I'm going to bless you and your people. What a model that he was offered the chance for anything. And he wanted wisdom to know right from wrong, to serve better. That is a powerful model. And that's not even beginning to go into like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're up against King Nebuchadnezzar, threatened to be thrown into the fiery furnace because they refuse to bow down before a golden idol. And they say, even though God may not save us from the fire, because he has the right not to do that, we still want you to know, King Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow before your golden idol, for we worship the Lord. <sighs> So cool. Oh, and the lamentations of King David that he's crying out in agony and despair. Lord, where are you? Life is so hard right now. And yet in the next breath, so effortlessly, he turns it to praise and worship. Here is a man who's got so much on his shoulders and yet he's still able to praise. What a role model. What an encouragement. How can we engage and encounter these powerful examples and not desire to strive for that goal, to be the heroes of our age that the young can look up and say, that's how it's possible to live. That is how we can be. Have a look here. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 to 4, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, Be careful to live properly amongst your unbelieving neighbors. Then, then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, 
they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is our calling. Not to just aim for mediocrity or a passable Christian life, but to be able to delight in the joy of being that example, to being a positive influence and to encourage each other. Everyone is a teacher, a mentor, and a parent, and not necessarily by blood. We all of us have that responsibility to all that we encounter. We don't get to choose it. What matters and what counts is how we, whether or not we choose to embrace it or try to run from that responsibility. <laughs> Young people everywhere, we see it, are so desperate for role models, for people who can show us how to live. And yet there are so many people who are given podiums and bullhorns and cameras who are able to spout anything and nothing. And it's so confusing, especially when you are young and inexperienced. It's almost impossible to tell right from wrong with so many cleverly worded messages out there. But that's all the more reason why they need to be able to see the real thing to recognize the counterfeit. When you see Oh, you know what? A good example. When you eat a good pineapple, have any of you traveled to a country where it's the fresh pineapple straight off the tree? Whatever. The point is, <laughs> it tastes unreal. And suddenly, you know a dodgy pineapple when you've tasted it. Because now that's all you can think about is this good, pure, original thing. And the thing is, even the smallest gesture, it doesn't have to be these grand acts of Solomon or King David. It can just be these tiny little things, the smallest word, the smallest act can change a life profoundly. I remember mum and dad, when I was growing up, no, I'm not about to phone, I'm not paying you out, don't worry. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, my parents would play worship music all the time. <laughs> and it was the cheesy kind, you know, hear the bells ringing, they're singing that Christ will be born again. It was... You could practically feel the southern white American, oh, praise Jesus, you know? <laughs> and it, but the thing is, it didn't really resonate with me. It wasn't really my thing. But yet, only in the past year, I found myself finally in a place in my walk with God where I was suddenly feeling, I just really want worship that is eloquent, that the words are truly God-glorifying and exalting, but I, don't, I need it to be that they don't care how silly they look or sound, that it is something honest and real and raw and powerful, and I, want, I need that kind of worship music. And suddenly all of these old tunes that from my childhood came flooding into memory, and I was able to welcome them like an old friend because it was modeled for me in my youth. And, and they took on new colors. It wasn't just the old songs. I was suddenly at a place where I could appreciate them, this isn't cheesy, this is awesome. It gives me shivers. But here's the thing. Here's, here's a turn and something to consider. How many people here, when hearing about our responsibility, our duty to be role models, to encourage others around us, how many felt that like an anvil around their necks? Like a stone that was thrown at you, dragging you to the bottom of the sea? If we are not planted in the peace and the love of God and the power of God, that kind of message 
is the opposite of a joy. It's a burden. The thing is, don't fake it. Nobody, no one in their right mind is asking you to pretend to have it together. Don't pretend that you're happy. Be honest with each other. We all wish to support one another. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. When one part of the body hurts, all of us hurt. Please don't fake it. Let's be real and open with each other. It's our joy. God didn't mean us to be locked in a prison of our making. This is meant to be a joy, not a burden. I wonder where we can turn in God's Word for some word into that kind of burden we take on. How about the first words, the opening sentences of the most famous sermon of all time, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? Listen to these opening words. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Mind you, it's not those who are perfectly just, those who hunger and thirst for justice will be satisfied. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am a gentle and humble, and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God, this is meant to be one of the primary joys of life, getting to encourage each other, getting to model and give hope to young lost people. Not a burden. If it's a burden, then we need to be real. We need to stop pretending and wearing a mask like we're taught by the world. Don't inconvenience your neighbors. You don't want to upset or make someone uncomfortable. No. Be real. Be open. And the comfort of God will come to you. And that comfort is given power because of the sovereignty and hope in God. This struggle on this earth is not meant to last forever. We're not meant to be forever drudging and struggling in sin and brokenness. God is going to restore everything. Our hope is that God really can overcome that, to make that task of encouragement, of being a role model of joy. There's a, uh, I'm, it wouldn't be a sermon of mine if I didn't quote C.S. Lewis. There is anyone who's read, who's, who here has read the last book in the Narnia series, The Last Battle? Oh, it's a good book. I'm just going to read, and this is describing heaven. There's two little bits. When one of the characters encounters heaven as land's country, they go, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that sometimes it just looked a little bit like this one. 
And then the last paragraph of the book. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Guys, don't be burdened by this joyous gift of being a role model. Elders, lift up the young. Show them how they can be. Show them a hope for the future. It's one of the best things we can have. And young people, my word, young people, you have no idea how much of a joy you are to your elders. Do you get that, how much delight that your elders get when they get to see you figuring things out, taking ownership of your walk with God, yourself. Every time you just have that moment of wisdom, that moment of honesty and integrity, it's like just fire in the heart. It's so exciting. We, it doesn't matter who you are or what level of experience in your walk or your age is, we have the power to encourage each other profoundly on every level. We can encourage and model because we are comforted by Jesus. We are comforted by the knowledge of our security and His greatness. That hope lets us be real. We don't have to wear a mask anymore. And of course, how could I, how could we talk about this without bringing up, well, probably one of the most relevant verses. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more, as we see the day approaching. Guys, thank you for the encouragement you have given me over the years. And I hope to be able to return the favor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for exactly who you are, for your wondrous character, and that you came down in the form of your Son and modeled a good life to us. Lord, thank you that you've given us your word that we can learn and absorb these stories and these examples and take them to heart. Lord, may you write your wisdom and your word on our hearts, that day by day we may be always looking for how we may build each other up and encourage each other and be free, open, and real, knowing that you, Lord, have made things right. Praise your holy name, Lord. And uh, yeah, bless us as we go into this week. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.